Don't be afraid. Lock the doors. Turn out the lights. And climb into bed. It's time for Hillbilly Dead Time Stories. The modern newspaper is a European invention. The oldest direct handwritten news sheet circulated widely in Venice, Italy as early as 1566. These weekly news sheets were full of information on wars and politics in Italy and the rest of Europe. The first printed newspapers were published weekly in Germany starting in 1609. Here in America, the Sunday newspapers often publish interesting feature articles, some of which can lead to life-changing experiences. Though certainly not all Sunday supplements are aimed at altering the way in which we live, some articles have been known to alter the way we look at death. In tonight's episode, you will learn about George Gardner of Senoida, Arizona. His story is a perfect example of this. A tall and mild-mannered man of middle age, George Gardner could not pass up an interesting place to go and look around. In constant search for interesting sights to explore with his wife Wilma, he would just adjust his glasses and take in all the details when he hears or reads something about the past. Gardner's experience with the odd forms of life after death occurred on a spring night in 1976. It all began with an article he read in the Tucson Daily Star about an old hotel at the edge of a little town nestled in the lonely desert country not far from the Mexico and New Mexico borders. The small and unique Lost Trail Hotel had a lot to offer guests who wanted the flavor of the Old West. Miss Croft, the manager, had been there for 30 years and was known for her smile and hospitality. Steak or chicken was served nightly. You could have one or the other, but not both. The hotel only had five rooms, so it was essential to call ahead for reservations. Nothing had changed but a few light fixtures, George told Wilma as he read the article. Wilma was as interested as her husband. The couple quickly sold themselves on the idea of driving into the desert to find the Lost Trail Hotel. Retired from a successful real estate business, George spends his time traveling with Wilma and writing articles and books about the West, both contemporary and historical. He also makes medicine pipes for the Western Writers of America, pipes that are presented yearly as the Medicine Pipe Bearers Award to the writer of the best first Western novel of the year. The pipe is an original each year and is the work of fine craftsmanship. Those who are lucky enough to receive the Medicine Pipe Bearers Award in the form of one of George Gardner's pieces of art cherish it throughout their lives. With the Lost Trail Hotel and its unique story grabbing his imagination, George finished reading the article. He learned that there was an old Wells Fargo freight office there, and a railroad track ran along the outskirts of the town, an old track abandoned for more than 50 years. 
Here was a town in an adobe hotel as old as the West itself, with nothing changed. It was midweek when George and Wilma packed up for the overnight stay at the Lost Trail Hotel. They had called ahead for reservations and had reached the elderly Miss Croft. In her crackly but mannerly voice, she assured them of a room and a good meal. She told them how to get there and how to avoid the worst roads, the roads that led into the desert. From their Sonoida home, George and Wilma departed on what they concluded would be a full afternoon's drive into the historic region where Chiricahua Apaches made their last desperate stand against the blue-coat soldiers sent to track them down. The U.S. Army proved relentless and too numerous for the Apache. Before that last gasp of freedom, the Apache nation had been a strong people. They had warred for many years against the spreading Spanish settlements and in earlier days against the powerful Comanche. Now this history was but dust and desert vegetation that harbored a little known remnant of the past. Of the years of dreams and culture, all that was left was a monument. George and Wilma drove through the desert toward the Lost Trail and its historic hotel. It would be a direct link with history, a little adobe building that had been built a century earlier that few tourists even knew existed. The gardeners grew restless to get there, but on this spring day with the desert popping into full bloom around them, George Gardner had no way of knowing that nightfall in the Lost Trail Hotel would bring him a vision that he would never be able to explain. George and Wilma arrived in the Lost Trail in the early evening. It was every bit what they expected. You couldn't even call it a town, just a collection of a few adobe huts and a few clapboard buildings nestled along a small stream. On the other side of the stream, as history recounts, was deadly country. Apaches had made a last stand in the desert and raided the town from their position. Lost Trail had seen its share of bloody streets. Near the edge of the little town was an adobe structure a little larger than the others with a creaky wooden sign hanging over the door. Scrawled in badly faded old English lettering were the words, Lost Trail Hotel. A small lady in a blue shawl met them at the door with a smile, Mrs. Croft. Her soft blue eyes were wrapped with wrinkles and tanned skin. She tilted her head in greeting her long cows of snow-white hair wrapped in a bun and tied up with gemstone pins and a net. She blinked her eyes as she spoke. Welcome, folks. I'm Miss Croft. Come inside. George and Wilma stepped into a parlor of antique furnishings. This included a hand-carved Palo Verde wood sofa upholstered in blue velvet and a rocking chair. While they registered, they noticed several other old chairs and a washstand on which a hand-painted china bowl stood with a matching china pitcher that was filled with water from a well just out back. Miss Croft smiled and mentioned that she had never been to Sonoida, but she wanted to travel there someday. George and Wilma noted the narrow hallway as they followed Miss Croft to their room. There was but one light fixture in the hallway, a carbide light that had been converted and now shone dimly with a 25-watt electrical bulb. Inside the room was a single cord fixture hanging from the ceiling 
near an old bed of curved and scrolled brass. A bath and wash basin had been built into one corner of the room. Miss Cross smiled and said, Your meal will be ready in just a few minutes. Then she quietly left the room. George and Wilma changed into some fresh clothes, and upon re-entering the parlor, they found Miss Croft arranging antique dinnerware and glasses on a walnut table covered with a red checked tablecloth. She finished by placing the settings of stainless steel cutlery that had been brought out on a wagon train. George noticed place settings for just the two of them. He asked Miss Croft if he and Wilma would be the only guests that evening. He received a smile and a polite nod from the old lady, busy with her place setting. She remarked that it was a little early in the year for guests on a regular basis. Miss Croft then went into the kitchen and returned with a plate of chicken and another of mashed potatoes. She then brought out a plate of homemade rolls and an apple pie. Enjoy your stay, she said. I'll be next door if you need anything. After the meal, George and Wilma toured the adjacent Wells Fargo office. An old safe sat along the back wall, and a record book lay on the desk, just as they had a century before. There was an old couch where patrons waited and where the locals at the time no doubt gathered to chat and hear the latest news from Tombstone and Tucson and other parts of the state. Outside, the tracks sat rusting on long-rotted ties. Weather-beaten markers were visible in a little graveyard on a hill above the creek. In its heyday, Lost Trail had seen many diverse people. Some of them, George Gardner would soon learn, remained behind in one form or another. The pleasant evening passed into nightfall. George and Wilma strode back inside the hotel and, after doing some reading, decided it was time to call it a night. After Wilma got into bed, George turned off the switch on the bare bulb hanging from the ceiling and the room was plunged into darkness. It had been a long day and in a few minutes, Wilma was sound asleep. George lay in the darkness with his thoughts of a little town in the desert running through his head. Exploring historical places always invigorated him and got him to thinking about the past. This energy often kept him thinking long into the night. Tonight was one of those nights, and he knew he wouldn't go to sleep right away. It was then that a strange noise began in the hall. The odd crying. George was at once perplexed and alarmed at the same time. He felt all the hair on the back of his neck rising. He sat up in bed while the odd crying continued. It sounded like a woman weeping and wailing, a wavering sound that spoke of terrible mourning. It clearly was coming from in the hall. Wilma continued to sleep, even though to him the sounds were quite loud and unnerving. George began to wonder if he indeed was hearing the wailing or if it was his imagination. But the wailing grew louder and closer. Is that a woman crying out in the hall? What in the world is wrong out there, George thought to himself. The darkness closed in even blacker now, and George felt a clammy sensation enveloping him. He continued to sit upright in the bed, almost frozen. The wailing continued, unmistakably the sound of a woman in terrible distress. George didn't know what to do about Wilma. She still had not awakened. He decided to let her sleep. The wailing seemed to be moving up the hall now, slowly past the door. 
George made himself get out of bed. What if someone needs help? He forced himself through the inky darkness towards the door, where the wailing was now the loudest. He took a deep breath and he gripped the doorknob. It creaked and the door came back towards him. The hallway was in a heavy shadow from the poor lighting, but it took no light to see the big ball of white mist that was floating along the ceiling, moving toward one corner. In the middle of the mist was a woman's head, turned almost sideways with eyes opened wide. George froze against the wall next to the door jamb, trying to comprehend what he was seeing. Numb with shock, he watched as the head suspended itself near the corner of the ceiling. The wailing continued. The woman's lips were full and bright red, her hair long and black. She stared from the ball of light, her complexion waxy and smooth like that of a statue. Her head was turned as if she might be resting on a pillow. The vision made him want to yell, but his breath was caught in his throat. Suddenly, the apparition rose like evaporating mist into the ceiling, and the hallway was again black and silent. George quivered and he made himself move. The only sound was a scraping against old wood as George pressed tightly against the wall back through the doorway into the room. His senses reeling with terror, George slid inside and pushed the door closed with his trembling hands. His mind tried to reject what his eyes had just seen. His chest rose and fell with his breath as he fumbled across the room, reaching for the hanging light bulb. He shuffled and groped and stumbled against objects in the darkness until he finally found the suspended bulb and turned on the switch. Wilma had never awakened and was still sleeping, her back to the light. George was mystified. His wife hadn't heard or felt anything. He put an arm on her shoulder, but decided against waking her to tell her what he had just witnessed. What would she think? Would she tell him that he had been dreaming? He didn't want to appear foolish. Besides, what goods would it do to scare her as well? He considered turning off the light and dismissing the entire incident, but it all seemed just as real as his wife still lying in her restful sleep. George was beginning to doubt himself now, wondering if what had happened was real or merely a dream. But he was still shaking and could see vividly in his mind the statuesque head with the black hair and the red lips. He knew he would always see it. This was nothing like a dream. No, it had been real. George knew that the head was not something that his imagination could have created all on its own. Nothing could have convinced him that the noise and the vision hadn't appeared. There was no question that he had seen a ghost. Then George began to feel something resembling sorrow. Beyond the horror of the woman's image was a sense of bleak despair. It seemed to permeate the blind fear that George had felt upon first seeing the vision. What terrible thing had happened to this woman? Who was she? Had she been a Native American or a Hispanic blood, with her long black hair and solemn eyes? And why was she here, in just that form of a head tilted in a white mist? George Gardner couldn't answer any of his questions. He turned off the bare bulb and he tried to sleep, but obviously couldn't. Instead, he sat awake watching the door, listening, 
dreading the silence that might at any time again erupt into the woeful wailing. But neither the wailing nor the vision returned during that night. For a long time, George lay in the darkness considering what he had seen and why. He finally decided that it would probably never be explained. The next morning, George and Wilma packed and headed back to Sonoida. They didn't see Miss Croft, who stayed next door in her little house. She didn't serve breakfast, just dinner. George wondered if the old lady knew anything about what existed inside the Lost Trail Hotel. On the way home, George told Wilma about his experience, and she listened without comment. That kind of thing doesn't just happen. George certainly wished it hadn't have happened. Over the years, the topic was discussed only at brief and infrequent intervals. The few friends that George chose to discuss it with listened and nodded, understanding but unable to explain what had happened to him. These friends were a choice few who might know what it meant since they had had similar experiences. Some had seen things, some hadn't, but all had felt something at one time or another. His friends told him that the desert held many secrets, and no one would ever fully understand them. Over the years, George Gardner came to realize that the floating head in the Lost Trail Hotel was an experience that he could neither deny or understand. It meant only one thing for certain. The dead of the Arizona desert country are not all resting in peace. to take on a vampire 